Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, let's just relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside, and just be reminded that God is right there. You don't need to do anything to get his attention or to get his approval or even direction or guidance. That this is all part of a process. This is all part of your path, following the path that God has placed you on, one footfall at a time, one step at a time. We've been talking about learning about the supernatural realm and the solical abilities that you and I have inherent in our soul. And why is that important? We each have in our soul a specific desire, a specific outlook, which was given to us, gifted to us by God. Your soul has characteristics and strengths and weaknesses that came from God, that he gave to you as a spirit being. But your soul was brought into this world, as well as your body, disconnected from your spirit. So your soul has had a lot of time, generationally even, to develop its own wants, its own desires, its own goals and beliefs and strengths and weaknesses on top of your very soul. So your soul, you don't even know what your soul is like because it has become so habitual, habituated to yourself. Your soul has become used to doing things a certain way that meets its own needs. So the process that we're going through is to bring our soul into union with our spirit without the self, without our, without the subtleties and the, the, the big monumental habits and wounds. And sometimes it's the little things that are the hardest to be changed and we've talked often how God is on one side of the coin he's healing us revealing the lies restoring truth and changing us conforming our soul to our spirit but if he did that without our soul 
learning how to live as a soul connected to the spirit, we would not be able to be made whole. It's as if the, uh, you know, you put a hose in a pot, a dry pot that has not been rained on and it's got, you know, wilting flowers and dried roots and you put the hose on it and the water runs right through. And so it doesn't benefit the flower, the plant at all. So we don't, we want to be able to receive the life that is the spirit, that is already in your spirit, the eternal life, the spirit of God, the nature, the character, the meeting of our needs. We want to be the wineskin, the vessel, the prepared soil. And the way to do that is to do what our part is as far as restoring our soul. This is the restoration of our soul, not as from soul to spirit, but soul separate from self. To give you an idea, how many of us, how many Christians have the idea that we want to learn how the gifts of the Spirit, you know, which we were talking about that they are the abilities of the soul. We want to do miracles. We want to speak in tongues. We want to prophesy. We want to know the future, speak life to people. But we want to do that for a reason because it makes us feel good because it makes us think that we're pleasing God or we like the attention or we're compassionate people and it it just makes us satisfied that we're helping people or that we want attention or that we want to change the world. Now, all those reasons are part of the self because our goal is that we would be one spirit, soul, and body and not be driven by compassion or wanting to please God or change the world. God doesn't need to be pleased. He's not waiting for somebody to do something to make him happy. He's sufficient unto himself. You know, to think that God wants needs our glory, not needs to be honored by us, that he wants to be pleased, he wants to be us to be pleasing to him implies lack. Implies that he needs something from us. And he doesn't. And as we the more we see 
that everything that's going on, everything that's going on in your life is for you. Now, one of the things that that does, for better or for worse, is it puts the opportunity to learn to live as a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body all back in your hands. God's got his own timetable for restoring your soul that you can't change, you can't affect. But here's one of the interesting things <clears throat> is that you don't know because because we rely for ourselves to meet our needs we have needs in our mind and in our will and in our emotions. So we feel pain, we have doubt, and we make mistakes. And in the process of doing those, we have built up rationale. We have built up walls of protection in ourselves that, that is a barrier between our soul being reunited with our spirit. But as God deals with that, part of our challenge is that, well, let's say we've got a, a, an issue with anger or, you know, what, thinking that it's our job to make God happy. And if you think it's your job to make God happy, God may have already taught you differently but maybe not in that area. And because yourself, you've come to rely so strongly on yourself, God has already healed that area, restored truth. You no longer believe that God needs your help. You no longer believe it, but you're still acting like it. It's not real to you because yourself is so strong. Now, God's going to deal with yourself as well. We don't do that. But we do look at, okay, while God is doing his thing and restoring our soul, what do we do? We learn to live as a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. We learn to live and move and have our being in him. So we look at the example of, of Jesus when he was walking around. Now, he never had self-life. He never had the, he never had the idea that he needed to make God happy. He never had the idea that his father was displeased with him. He never had the notion that God, his father, couldn't do something without him. They were always one. Not the situation we're in. But what did that look like? Did he have struggles? Absolutely. Was he tempted? Absolutely. Was he lonely? Absolutely. 
Those were all parts of our soul, of his soul, that he experienced as a spirit that had a soul that lived in the body that was born here on this earth. So it's not that we are no longer part of this earth. It's just we know who we are in him. We are joint heirs. We have that same confidence, that same relationship with God the Father that Christ did because we are joint heirs. We are co-inheritors with Christ because he made the way for that. He restored our spirit. He restored that relationship with our Father. And as we focus on that, just as Christ, you know, he had to learn obedience through the things he suffered. And so as he went through life, it's not that he, that his father restored his soul. What he was learning was how to live with the soul, to live with a perfect soul. You know, we, he learned how to do miracles. He learned how to know his father's voice. He learned how to prophesy, how to know the future, how to hear what was going on around him. He learned how to be God that had a soul and a body. Because he learned these things and went through these experiences, we can be confident that we will also go through that processing, that process of rejoining our soul to spirit. Jesus' soul and spirit were never separated. So that's obviously a huge difference. But we can trust the Father to take care of that part. But if Jesus had to go through the process, we can not think it's not a punishment. It's not a hard thing that you and I also go through that process. And what's that process? We have these abilities in our soul. And, you know, again, so many refer to them as as the, the gifts of the Spirit even though they are abilities of the soul. They're, they're already, you were born with them. Just like if you have fingers and toes of your body, you have abilities of your soul that God wants you to be able to learn how to use. We talked before about, you know, Jesus, his task, his duty, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. His his title was savior that's what he came for but in the meantime he taught his disciples he changed the world he he showed this is who the father is everybody he came in contact with he had a you know we can say a three and a half year ministry for all his 33 years on this earth and yet it was only it took 30 years to prepare him for those three years. 
And if, again, if he had to learn and how to overcome temptation, how to deal with the, his enemies, the devil, the, and, and this world system, and the religion and the politics, he had to learn how to deal with those things. But because his spirit and soul were always one, the reality, the eternal life, was never clogged up in his self, the flesh, in his flesh. It was always purely from spirit to soul to body to this earth. So when we struggle, when we look at, okay, I have to learn this, we're starting from square one. That's exactly where we're supposed to start. There's nothing wrong with starting exactly where we are, square one. Our challenge is to let him remind us and and remind ourselves and remind one another that you are one in him and we are one in each other in our spirit. And that our goal is that for as long as we're here on this earth, that there's a processing going on. Now, the end result of that is going to be so, so person to person. What God has for you on your pathway is different than what he has on your on my pathway. Just as there's only one Savior, nobody else is ever going to do that. And just as there was only one Adam and Eve, there's nobody else was in that position. Whatever position you're in, you're the only one. You're unique. Your spirit, soul, and body are unique. Now, we don't know what came before. We really don't know what's coming after. But we know that we have an opportunity here to make the most of each day. And if we are, we, if the less we are distracted by what we can't control, you know, because so often, you know, trying to help God only makes ourself stronger. You know, if we, okay, God, you know, this is my main problem is I have a problem, let's say, with anger. And so I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, there's this person I'm always angry with. I'm not going to, I'm going to ignore them from now on. Well, that's the power, that's the strength of the soul that is in the self. Because the anger's still there. Because there's a wound there. There's a misbelief there. There's something out of whack there that God may or may not have already healed us from. But what we've done is we've created a habit. We've created a belief system that we we can't be angry. That God is displeased with us being angry. You know, we've talked before about the whole concept of sin. Sin is what hurts us. God is not surprised by anything that's going on in our lives. Any of our thoughts, any of our actions, he's not surprised by any of it. 
And when he created you and he put you in, gave you the soul and put you in the body, he already knew every sin you'd ever commit. In fact, he knew every sin you were going to commit before the foundation of the earth, before he even thought of sending his son. He knew everything because everything's in him. So again, it's not the idea of, of making him happy, of pleasing him. But what happens is as God restores our soul and his spirit flows through our spirit and into our soul, we absorb spirit. Just that, like that dried plant receives that life, that living water, and starts to become the living plant it was meant to be. It starts to flourish. It starts to grow. It starts to bring forth flowers and fruit, whatever it is. It starts being what God made it to be, what he intended it to be. So as your soul receives, on the one hand of that, the one side of the coin, as your soul is receiving healing for your wounds and the truth for the lies you believe, and as we give up the doctrines that God puts his finger on, that part of our soul is receiving eternal life and absorbing and enjoying the process and experiencing the joy and, and the, the comfort and the satisfaction, the contentment that comes from eternal life being present in us. But we have a tendency to go, okay, well, I just want to have my roots soaked. I just want to have my life satisfied. When God says no, bring forth fruit in your soul. This water that goes into your roots is going to bring forth fruit and manifest, reveal the soul that you have. And what is the soul that you have? It's the power and authority that he gave you here on this earth. Again, what did Jesus teach his disciples? That if, if you speak to that mountain, rise and be cast into the sea, speak to it, it will be cast into the sea. He didn't say, Jesus didn't say, pray to me and ask, and I will cast the mountain into the sea. He said, no, you pray, you do it. Because, because we are spirit, soul, and body, you and I have the same power and authority, and he wants us to learn how to use it. You know, think about the experiences, as limited as the information we have, that, you know, Peter's shadow would heal people. And I won't go all, through all the examples, and and the, the power and authority that was just a very minute amount but turned the world, up, world upside down. 
And we can even look at the Old Testament. They didn't have the Spirit of God within them. You know, Abraham, Joshua, Moses, they, were the, they weren't Christians. They did not have access to eternal life. And yet they turned their world upside down. They had the power and the authority in their soul. God spoke to them without the benefit of their being a quickened spirit. How much more do we have opportunity to receive eternal life and have it expressed first into our soul and then, as God directs, express it into this earth? And again, you know, we've used the example of, you know, we're sitting here eating dinner with God, and he says, pass the salt. And we pass the salt. And he says, you know, hand, hand this note to the person sitting next to you, and we do what he says. He says, okay, now go raise the dead. And we go raise the dead. And we come back and we take our seat. It's all the same. Because we have learned how to live as a spirit that has a soul that's living in a body. So the more time we spend with him, the more he reveals our crutch, the lies we believe, the wounds, that even those that he has already healed, but we still carry around the, the habits. It's like we... We reject or live like we haven't been freed, that we're, we are still trying to make up for our sin. We are still, you know, we're just, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace. But once you were saved, you're just saved. You're no longer a sinner because your sin nature is now overwhelmed by your spirit nature, who you truly are. So the more, you know, and you think about how much God loves you. And for many people, that's really hard to accept because we've not experienced good need-meeting love in our childhood in our family in our in our life the where you know where we've grown up so we have nothing to compare but as we start to change our expectations about who God is that God is love and he expresses his love by giving to us as we experience that on his terms you know, and he's generous, he just doesn't express himself the way he is because it would destroy us. We wouldn't be able to ex- receive it. It would just, you know, I don't know what would happen to our soul if all of a sudden God just poured himself. You know, it's like, and well, it's a, you know, use that other example of the of the pot. If we just kept on pouring water, it would just keep going through. The roots have to be able to receive. And he, so he pours, pours that, pours himself into us as we can receive it. 
And so we start receiving life, and then we start growing a little bit. We start healing. We start putting out fresh leaves. And we don't even know what the end result is going to be, and that's fine. But we look at, okay, and we can ask God, God, is this something that I'm ready to let go of, like my anger? God, can I just ask you to take this anger from me? Now, he may say, yes, I took that from you, you know, 10 years ago. Been serving your own purpose. It's kept people away from you. It's kept you, you're using it as a weapon to control others or to control yourself. We say, okay, Lord, teach me how to live without that anger. And as we work on one item, two, three, four items at a time, again, God can do, you know, sweep through and do a hundred things at once. But from our perspective, it's a little here. It's, it's line upon line. But in the process of doing that, what do we learn? We learn how to exercise power and authority. Because we're taking authority We're exercising power over those habits, over our anger. We're learning how to express forgiveness, to restore relationships, to say I'm sorry, to say I don't want to live like this anymore, and now I don't have to. So again, this is on a person-by-person basis, a case-by-case, and a a wound-by-wound basis, but we're all processing, and every day matters. So thanks for tuning in. Feel free to drop me a line at therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.